Amen. Well, good morning again, church. It is good to be with you this morning, and I'm really grateful that you're here today. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged through our time in worship together. And I want to just say again, if you're a guest, I want to extend a special welcome to you again. And we're especially grateful that you chose to be here and hope that you'll stick around after we're done and give us a chance to get to know you uh, better. The new school year always brings with it such uh, excitement and anticipation. Uh, Also, I'm sure some anxiety and nervousness that come with the beginning of the year. But I I love today because I think it helps us remember uh, that we can enter into new seasons of life uh, with that may be hard, that may be times of transition with confidence, uh, knowing that God goes with us. And so our prayer is that it'll be a great year for each of our area districts and our students and our teachers and all the adults that make uh, a school year happen. I want to thank again, thank Mr. Lamb and uh, Mr. McCoy and Coach, Coach Burleson for their part in today's service and helping us prepare for a new year. Uh, if, you, if you've not, one other just back to school note, if you've not picked up a picture, we still have some pictures hanging along the wall. One of the uh, traditional things with Back to School Sundays, we take pictures of all of our kids and uh, ask you to take those and hang those on a refrigerator or somewhere where you'll see that. Uh, if you've already taken one, it looks like we might have enough, uh, which is a good problem, enough kids to, uh, to take a second one. So you could kind of hang around afterwards, make sure everybody gets one. Uh, if you p- get a picture of somebody you don't know, see Chris or Suzanne, and they can uh, help you uh, know who that student is. So you might f- connect with their family and know some ways that you can be praying uh, for them. While I have your uh, attention, I want to just take a moment to make a quick plug for an event that's happening a month from now. Uh, on Saturday, September 22nd, we're hosting a grace-centered marriage seminar that I believe is going to be a, a blessing to every uh, married couple that attends. And I know it's a busy season. It's a Saturday morning. There'll be some continued stuff that happens on Sunday morning, but uh, the chunk, the biggest chunk of stuff that'll happen, the content that'll be covered, uh, you could receive by coming on Saturday. Uh, and it's a great way for you to invest in your marriage. And so you could sign up for that in the Connections booth in the foyer. You can actually sign up by emailing rsvp at kaufmanchurch.org, which I won't even be upset with you if you do during the sermon. So if you want to take that time, you know, to, you decide right now you want to go, you can email that and you can be registered. So this morning, uh, that's the end of the commercial. This morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to invite you to find a Bible uh, whether you have a physical Bible or f- find that on a phone or however you want to access that and look in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, and turn there. We have been studying through uh, the book of Ephesians for several months as a church. And um, <clears throat> today we're going to conclude that study. And so you may be thinking if you haven't been here, you're just here for back to school Sunday, you, you really didn't, you're not going to miss uh, a lot. There's a lot that we've covered, but today we'll also, I think, be able to stand on its own in many ways. Uh, we've been in chapter 6 of Ephesians now. I guess this is the third week. And I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 10, which we studied in great detail last week. Uh, but I want to reread this morning to just provide some context for uh, what we will look at today. And so Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 10, is where I'll read. I want to ask if you would just to bow with me uh, in prayer before we read uh, from there. God, this morning we come and uh, we just proclaim again uh, that we want to be people that uh, stand with arms high and hearts abandoned, uh, that 
surrender our lives to you. Uh, we recognize, God, that with the new year come all kinds of emotions and excitements and things that are going through people's minds. And this morning, I just pray that if there's any anxiety that comes with the new year for any of our students, if some of our students that have already started had a really bad first week or first few days, I pray that you'll help uh, those transitions smooth out in the days ahead. God, this morning we come and uh, we are mindful of uh, your word and want to learn from it, and I pray this morning that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that you want us to see and hear from Ephesians chapter 6, so that we can be prepared for the battle that we are in uh, that's raging all around us at all times, and though we don't see it, we know it is there. And we pray this morning, God, that you'll give us the eyes to see that battle so that we can be soldiers that are equipped for the fight uh, that we are engaged in. And we ask, God, you'll bless us in that pursuit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 10 and read uh, some of what we talked about last week, and then we'll kind of keep reading through the, the last part of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul writes these words, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to, everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So I want to just pause there quickly. Again, talked about that in great detail last week. If you're really interested and you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back to our website and listen to that message because I do think that in a lot of ways it's really foundational for what we're going to talk about today. But the point that we need to take away from that is we are in a battle. We are in a war. And our battle isn't against flesh and blood, Paul says. No, our enemy is worse than any human enemy that you can create or you could find with your eyes. You and the work that you represent for Christ are being opposed Paul says, and the enemy is, is after your heart. The enemy is working overtime to lie to you, to get you to believe the lies that are being told to you that show up in your mind as thoughts that you're not sure from where they come, but they appear and you have questions and you have doubts. And the enemy is getting you to believe that those lies that he says are true are in fact true when the fact is that they are lies. And God wants to expose them as lies. The enemy is working overtime to throw us into confusion, to throw us into darkness. And the war is upon us, right? And, and we need to meet this war head on. And the promise is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, that we can win this war. The promise is that through Christ, you are prepared for the battle because you have been given, Paul says, the armor of God. Now, we understand Paul isn't talking about actual helmets and actual swords. He's using this military language to help make a point that the battle is serious and the battle is real. 
The armor that Paul's talking about is better than a helmet or a sword or a shield. Paul says that the real armor we need to fight the enemy is truth, is righteousness, is peace, is faith, is salvation, is the Word of God, which again we discussed in great detail last week. But this morning there's good news because as good as truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the Word of God are, that's not all. There is one more final weapon. The final weapon in your arsenal is prayer. And the kind of prayer that Paul is talking about is different than your typical prayer, what you might typically think of as prayer. And I just want you to listen to Paul as we pick up in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. He continues and says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests, prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray, 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 pray. Four times in three verses, Paul mentions prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. Like a soldier, he says, be alert and always keep on watching and praying. Pray also for me that he will fearlessly proclaim and make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul knows, I believe, that prayer is a weapon unlike any weapon the world has ever seen. It is truly a weapon for mass instruction, a weapon that's not going to destroy lives, but is going to build lives up. And so he lays out his heart and he pleads with us. He says, in this battle you're in, pray. In the war that you are engaged in against the evil one, stay connected to God. Stay connected to God's mighty power. Stay connected to the strength that comes from the Lord so that you can stand. But it isn't just that you can stand. It's so that you can advance. One time when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he asked them a question. He says, who do you say that I am? Do you remember what comes next? In Matthew chapter 16, Peter replies and says, to, the, to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates... The reason I highlight that particular part of that passage is I want us to notice that gates do not threaten. Gates do not advance. Gates are a defensive mechanism to keep people out, right? They just stand there. We don't just pray so that we can stand up against the devil's schemes. We pray because we understand that prayer itself is an act of war. Prayer itself is a way to attack the gates of hell. Prayer itself is a way that we resist the enemy and we send the enemy running for the hills in the opposite direction. But I confess this morning that I do not always think about prayer this way. I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, as I reflect on my own life, and I'm just trying to be honest and transparent with you this morning, I do not always think about prayer as an act of war, as an offensive tool that God has given us to attack the gates of hell, to send the enemy running. 
I don't always think about prayer as an announcement that my heart and that my life, right, that this ground, that this territory has already been claimed by the Almighty God. Do you? Do you always think about prayer that way? Maybe, maybe you're better than I am. I, I don't doubt that in any way. But I just know in my own life when I think about prayer, prayer can become routine. Prayer can become a normal part of life that we, so much to the, to maybe to the, to the extent that we don't think about it as this act of, of war, this act of, of attack against the enemy. When something happens to someone, maybe as an example, we, we might ask them, what we can do for them. And they might say, well, you know what, I would really appreciate your prayers, right? And maybe like me, maybe your first response is, well, yeah, of course, I'll pray for you, but what else can I do, right? What else do you need me to do for you? Because, because maybe we feel like prayer is, is it's something, but maybe there's more that we can do than prayer. I don't know, has anybody else had that thought before? Why do we do this? I, I think one reason that we do this is because I think we misunderstand that we are engaged in a battle and that there is more going on in our lives than what we see and we because i think the enemy is really good at lying and deceiving us right we 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 get kind of tricked into thinking that really the only thing that matters is what we can see and scripture is really clear that there is something going on more than what we see with our physical eyes that we are engaged in a battle I want you to look with me in Daniel chapter 10. We're going to just look over in the Old Testament really quickly. Daniel chapter 10. I want to to use Daniel chapter 10 as a way to illustrate and highlight this idea that there is more going on than what we see. It'll be really important that you find it because there's uh, some language there that I want you to catch. So take a second and find Daniel chapter 10. This, this story that's, that's gonna, that we're going to just read a part of, uh, I think highlights this idea that we are engaged in a battle and that we are up against, right, the rulers and authorities of this dark world is the way Paul talks about those. And so in, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, I want to read uh, the first three verses or so. Daniel is going to, we're going to read about a message that Daniel has received that is troubling to him. He's not quite sure what to do with it. So follow with me in Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was also called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to Daniel in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, now he's writing this story, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So Daniel's received this message. We'll pause right there really quickly. And it's troubling to him. It doesn't exactly say what's going on, and Daniel doesn't seem to be be really clear either, right? This this is something we have experienced, right? Something happens to us, we have questions. What is God doing? What is God up to? How am I involved in this? Where is God in all of this? And so we get bad news, right? We have a hard decision to make. We're struggling with a relationship, something at work, something with our family. And so what do we do? Maybe like Daniel, we pray, we go to God. Daniel clearly believes that God has some ability to help his situation. So for three weeks, for three weeks, Daniel fasts 
He doesn't bathe, which is what that's talking about, about not using any lotions, right? And three weeks go by and nothing happens. Maybe you can relate, right? You pray your heart out and you go, where are you, God? Why aren't you showing up? Why haven't you answered? Why haven't you heard me? Am I doing something that's not connecting with you? And maybe in the absence of a response, we might even make up a response, right? We might, we might think something like, well, maybe whatever I'm going through, maybe that's just God's will for my life right now, which might, might be true, but maybe not. Or maybe we think God's, God must be angry with me somehow. I didn't, I didn't say the right prayer. I didn't do the right thing. Maybe I have some unconfessed sin I need to repent of. Maybe I've done something wrong. Or is God even listening, right? Maybe, maybe I'm not praying right. I'm not saying the right words. I'd imagine that a lot of us have used those kinds of ra- that kind of rationale in our moments of unanswered prayer before. I want you to keep that in mind, but I want you to look at what happens next to Daniel. I'm going to skip ahead from verse 3 to verse 10. After praying for 21 days, an angel comes to see Daniel, and this is what this angelic creature says to him. And this, I think, is going to blow your mind if you've never seen this in Scripture before. In verse 10, it says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Pay attention to this in verse 12. He says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, the angel, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with this king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. (laughs) Wait a second. What? I just want to pause right there for a minute. Day one, day one, when Daniel begins to fast and pray, the story says God hears Daniel. Since the first day that he set out to gain understanding, God heard his words. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, in the translation that I'm reading from, resisted the angel for 21 days. And Daniel is not talking about a human prince, right? And the story gives us two clues about how I know that that's the case. Number one is that Daniel's prayer sparks a 21-day battle in the heavenly realms. And Daniel can't see this battle. All he knows is God hadn't shown up yet. Where is the answer that I'm waiting for? Right? That's the first clue that I know the prince of Persia is not a human prince. The second is that this battle is so great that the angel Michael has to come in as reinforcements to the first angel that's battling this prince of Persia. Right? So I don't know about you, but for me, that makes me want... I mean, I think that what it means is we might have to rethink our theories about unanswered prayer because according to this story, God heard Daniel's prayer on day one. And the angel says, now I made it here after 21 days. Right? Have you ever prayed for someone or something and felt like that you got no response? Have you ever struggled with something or walked with someone who is struggling with something and feel like that it's getting nowhere? 
And then later, maybe days later, maybe months later, God seems to provide the answer that you're praying for. What if we saw those delays in those answers, right, to our prayers as something that is going on in a larger spiritual realm instead of either making up our own responses or assuming that God is absent? And we saw them as a larger picture in the story that God is unfolding, that there is a war that is being waged, right? Or maybe it's a prayer that you know you know is God's will. You're praying for someone to come to know Jesus Christ. You're praying for a marriage to be restored. You're praying for the ability yourself to forgive someone. And it doesn't seem like answers come. What's going on? Like, doesn't God want those things to happen? Of course. And, and, and yet we understand, right? I don't understand it all, but what I know is that the enemy is working overtime to deceive and to lie. He is working at an unrelenting pace to hold on to any piece of your heart and my heart and the hearts of those in this world and the hearts and minds of those in this world that he can. Because you and the work you represent for Christ are being opposed, right? But at the same time, we have to understand that God is working too. We're not helpless. And that's why I want to make sure and emphasize that part. Prayer summons the God of heaven to act on our behalf. Prayer is like a soldier, you might say, firing a warning shot at an enemy line, alerting the prince of darkness that the king of glory has now taken his position in the battle lines and is ready to fight. And the king of heaven has been summoned. And we don't know exactly how it works, and we don't understand all that goes on in the heavenly realms when we pray, but I can tell you this for certain. God is always for you, no matter what right? Jesus came to bring abundant and full life, and the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which leads me to, to my final point and back to Ephesians. I, if we believe, church, that we are engaged in a battle, then we have to pray. We must pray, right? All, if, if we believe that we're engaged in a spiritual battle and all we have to do is look around, it doesn't take long to see that the world is full of darkness, that Satan has thrown our world into confusion, and Satan is regularly spitting his lies into the hearts and minds of people every single day. Lies like you aren't good enough. Lies like God doesn't care about that. Lies like you might not even want to bother praying about that. Lies like forgiveness isn't even possible, so don't worry about it. Lies like this is going to be your hardest year in school, students. Lies like you aren't going to make any f new friends. Like, lies like they aren't even really your friend in the first place. Lies like just give up. Lies like don't fight for that relationship. Don't fight for that marriage. Lies like they don't respect you or care about you. They may, may have even meant to hurt you, right? The lies come in a thousand ways into our hearts and settling in our minds. We are in a battle, but we have been given the tools of Christ. And this is why Paul says, Paul pleads with us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of requests and prayers. Be alert, he says, because the enemy is real. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You are dressed in the armor of truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the word of God. And now you get another 
tool added to your offensive weaponry, prayer. And Paul knows that the enemy will run like a scared cat when people pray. Darkness cannot stand in the presence of the Almighty. God shows up when we pray. And practically, the question might be, well, what does it look like, right? Like, what does prayer look like? And it may feel a little bit intimidating even if if you don't pray regularly. How do I start? Where do I start? What do I say? And I want to encourage us this morning to just to think of prayer as a, as a fancy, it's not really a fancy word, but sometimes prayer can mean so many things, we don't really know what it means, right? And I want, you to, I want to encourage you to think about prayer simply as a word for talking to God. Too often prayer gets made into uh, some sort of religious activity, which doesn't help, right? And it also doesn't help that sometimes when people talk about prayer, we hear fancy language, even when people pray sometimes, we hear fancy language being used like, some, someone is talking to God in a language that you didn't learn. And so it becomes sort of compartmentalized, like prayer is just this thing we do on Sundays or we, just this thing we do once in a while. And I want to give all of us permission today to just talk to God. He cares about your heart. And Paul clearly believes that prayer impacts what happens on earth because he says pray every occasion, right? Pray. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says these words. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God is interested in giving good gifts to his children, in answering prayer, in acting on your behalf within the realm of what, was, what is within his will, right? So practically, this might just mean weaving conversations or thoughts with God throughout your day and watching how those just natural conversations change your mindset, change your outlook on life, release the kingdom of God within you. Because really what prayer is, this is kind of the interesting thing about this being, I think, kind of the last thing that Paul mentions in this long list of, of armor, is that prayer really has very little to do with us. We, we are a part of it, we're a participant in it. But prayer, the point of prayer, is that it accomplishes something, right? It, it invites God to accomplish something on our behalf that we can't do on our own. It's too big for us. We talk about a particular person or a situation, right? And we're inviting God into that situation or that relationship. And it may seem like your prayer isn't doing much because we have been conditioned, I think, to only measure what we can see, but our battle is happening in a realm that we cannot always see, and it just starts by talking. And so I want us to reclaim today prayer as the weapon that it is, right? Something comes to mind, let's, let's, let's believe that as people that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that if something, a person's name comes to your mind, that maybe that's an opportunity for you to lift their name before the Father. God, will you be near to so-and-so today, right? There are opportunities everywhere. You learn of a tragedy. You feel anxious. You have doubts. You have questions. Whatever occasion you can think of, it is okay to pray then. Praying in worship, praying in the hallways. Prayer doesn't just happen in here. One of the things I love about this church that I've said before is that we pray in the hallways, right? Prayer doesn't just have to happen in here. 
praying around tables, praying in classrooms, praying in office spaces, praying outdoors and praying indoors. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Sometimes we pray in the Spirit on the occasion of school starting back. And sometimes we pray in the Spirit on the occasion of a cancer diagnosis. And sometimes we pray in the Spirit on the occasion of a new life. And sometimes we pray in the Spirit on the occasion of death. And sometimes we pray in the Spirit on the occasion of something going on in a marriage or in a family that's a challenge, right? The enemy doesn't want light shed on the darkness that he has cast, the shadow that he has cast. But it's too late, Satan. We announced this morning, it is too late, Satan. You have been exposed as the liar that you are. Right? And my hope today simply is to make us more aware of the battle that is happening. Paul believes that there is a battle. And my question for us is, do you believe it too? And do you believe that prayer is the great and final weapon that we have at our disposal? Do we believe that we can see, right, as we look at our lives, that we are fitted with the proper armor for this battle? That we will see the effects of this battle in the flesh and in our flesh and blood. But the truth is that truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the word of God and prayer are the equipment that God will use to protect us and the equipment that God will use to advance against the gates of hell. That's what I want us to see this morning. The kingdom of heaven is advancing to such an extent. I want us to believe and, and, and imagine that we can see, right, that we pray for this, God, that your kingdom will extend to such, a, such an extent that Christ is taking over people's lives, that Christ's love is transforming hearts and sweeping through this world, that Christ's love is changing lives, that Christ's heart is becoming the heart that we have so that we serve and live and talk and breathe as he did, that Christ is taking over marriages and relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and transforming churches and transforming cities and transforming counties and transforming states and transforming the world. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. There is a war that is going on for our hearts and souls. And the question is, do we believe it? And are we alert to it? Are we engaged in this battle through prayer? Because Satan, I believe, flees when Christians pray and darkness cannot stand in the presence of the Almighty. This morning, I want to close with what I believe is maybe, maybe the great, uh, great prayer, right? That, that the, the prayer that is, was given from Christ, we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. But many of you know this prayer, but I want you to think of this prayer this morning as an act of war. Not just something that maybe we say to comfort us, which is certainly something it can do. But when you look at this prayer, it has it all, right? Us asking God to bring the kingdom of heaven to bear on earth. Us inviting God to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Us acknowledging our need for forgiveness and asking for God's help and extending the forgiveness that we have received to other people. And let us not miss one of the last lines that God will deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus even believed that we needed to pray to be delivered from the evil one because he is prowling around like a roaring lion waiting and looking for someone to attack. And so I would invite you this morning if you would stand with me. We're going to read this prayer out loud together in closing. 
and I want you to read it with all your heart. I want you to, to say this prayer like you've never said it before, like you believe that, that Satan will tremble as Christian people pray to Almighty God and that darkness cannot stand in the presence of God. And that when we pray like this or we pray a simple phrase or a simple word, that God comes, that God comes near, that God is summoned from heaven to be with us and to help us. Let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen. This morning, you leave as an army. An army that is entering a war zone, and you have a crucial role to play. People that represent peace and joy and freedom are dangerous to the gates of hell because you are armed warriors for the Almighty God. The gates of hell are under attack when we pray, and they will not be able to withstand the pressure. And so my prayer for us this morning is that God will give us strength for the road ahead. If you need to respond this morning in any way, we would love to pray with you, not because we just think it's something that is a good thing to do at the end of a service and it happens every single week, but because we believe that when we pray that heaven is summoned and that actions will happen, that God will take action on your behalf and that God will bring hearts together and lives together, that things will take place in our lives that we would be unable to do on our own. And so maybe this morning you want to respond uh, down front. I'll be here. There'll be an elder in the back. And as we do each week, you're always encouraged to find someone around you. There are an unlimited number of things going on in this room that need to be covered in prayer. And so I'd encourage you to find somebody that you know is going, with, going through something and pray with them as we sing this next song together. Let's do that. Lord, let your light light up your face, shine on us, Lord, let your light light up your face, shine on us, that we to find
Amen. Be seated, please. This morning, um, the Hall family comes, and Mike and Heather and and uh, Rocky and their family. And um, you know, if you've ever come down and asked for prayer, public prayer like this, you know that it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, we would all prefer, I think, to just find somebody around us and ask them to pray for us or pray with somebody in the back, maybe in another room. Uh, but the way I see this is that when someone comes down here, A, they're, they're uh, willing to be incredibly vulnerable, which is such a gift because I think we all learn from that, right? That, um, but it also is an announcement to us and I think to the enemy uh, that <clears throat> no longer... Will, will the enemy work in the territory that he's been working in? And, uh, and, and Mike and Heather uh, and Rocky come this morning, and, and Rocky's just had a really... He's had a really hard go the last few years and has battled a lot of different things in his heart and his mind and um, struggled with some school stuff that's gone on and, and didn't have a great first week this week in school. And, uh, and so I appreciate their willingness to come. And because they want you to know, because they want you to be praying for Rocky, they want to be praying for, for Mike and Heather for wisdom about what to do next. And, uh, and intentionally kind of being vague about some of that, but uh, just trust that, that <coughs> they want you to know uh, that they need your prayers. And I think especially in light of what we just talked about today, uh, we believe, right, that prayer works and that we're going to pray for them now. And I want to ask you to continue doing that in the days ahead. Um, and we're going to look forward to seeing how God heals and works and restores in ways that we can't even imagine. And so I want to invite you to pray with me uh, as we cover this family in prayer. And then uh, we're going to have another song. And then Ken's going to share some some uh, pastoral prayer requests, some, she- some from the have been shared with the shepherds that they also want the church wants you to know about and so we'll do those separately in just a minute let's pray God I thank you for this family and I thank you for their willingness to allow us to walk with them and invite us into this space with them uh, what a gift it is and a, and a responsibility that it is that we see and recognize. And this morning I pray, God, that uh, you will, as we sang earlier, that you'll surround Rocky and his heart and his mind uh, as the mountains surround Jerusalem. We know this boy to be a, a sweethearted kid who yes. loves you and has so much potential. And man, just do believe that the enemy has been working over time. And we we beg you to repel Satan and to push him far, far away from Rocky Hall. We pray in faith, believing that you hear us, believing that faith is the thing, the the piece of armor that has the ability to extinguish flaming arrows from the enemy. And so we pray that you'll work. 
We love you and we trust you. We pray that you'll surround this family with your love, with your arms of love, that you'll grant wisdom and understanding. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus that is able to do things that are greater than we could ask or imagine. And the church said, amen. There is a blessing in Numbers 6, and we're going to sing a song that has the words of that blessing. And this morning, uh, we pray that blessing, um, we sing that blessing over our students, um, over our faculty, staff, administrators, just over the schools in general, and to all the families and grandparents and friends of families who still have kids in school, um, we pray this blessing over you. Let's stand together as we sing this song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. The Lord to you and be gracious the Lord be gracious gracious unto you several things to pray for here this morning. I want to uh, also voice my appreciation for the educators and administrators in the, in the uh, audience this after or this morning. Um, I am intimately connected to teachers. My wife is one of you. Um, my sisters-in-law are teachers. My mother-in-law is a retired teacher. My dad uh, is a retired teacher and coach and bus driver and a school maintenance person, and he worked in a small district. So... Um, <laughs> So I grew up around educators, and I am also was a student for almost half of my life. So uh, I, I am very grateful for what you do, and uh, you touch a lot of lives, and uh, thank you. Okay, um, so we have several requests here that we want to uh, 